Hello, and welcome to the Tartan Tardigrade. This is a podcast brought to you by the UK Centre for Astrobiology at the University of Edinburgh. In the podcast, we talk to astrobiologists from around the world about their research, their careers, and anything else that comes to mind. In this episode, we have Roberto Rosei from the National Institute of Astrophysics in Bologna, Italy. Roberto will be telling us about recent evidence for subglacial water on Mars. He spoke to Rosa Santa Martino and Adam Stevens in April of 2019. Okay, name is Roberto Rosé. I'm currently working at the Institute of Radio Astronomy in Bologna, which is part of the National Institute of Astrophysics in Italy. And I have a degree in astrophysics and a PhD in electronic engineering. And I'm now responsible for the Mars's experiment on board the Mars Express spacecraft. Uh, and can you tell us about your current research? We keep looking for what is under the surface of Mars using Mars's. Uh, which is a ground-penetrating radar uh, capable of uh, getting uh, information from depths of several hundred meters to a few kilometers. And this will take us a long time in the future, as long as the mission lasts. And this is the main occupation. In general, I'm involved in space projects. And uh, the future uh, will include also participating in the uh, RIME uh, radar for the European mission to Jupiter and uh, the IC satellite system. You, you told us today um, about your recent exciting paper results. Um, would you be able to uh, explain? The most recent discovery and probably the most important one after 10 years of attempts is the one of liquid water under the polar cap of Mars. The radar data provided evidence for the presence of an area uh, containing liquid water uh, extending for about 20 kilometers, uh, rather close to the south pole of Mars. And this area uh, is difficult to, is no, has nothing special in the uh, seen from the orbit. Uh, it's what is below that appears to be different. Uh, this subglacial lake is about 20 kilometers across. Uh, we don't know exactly how deep it is because uh, the fact that there is water is actually um, also a reason for, to think that the radar is not capable of penetrating into the water itself. That's what happens on Earth. Uh, so we don't know, but we think that it has to be at least one meter deep. Otherwise, the radar would not be sensitive to echoes coming from that. And uh, this means a sizable amount of water, and, but we are interested in finding more. Uh, because uh, the, it's, it's uh, really interesting to know if this is something that happens only there specifically or if there are other uh, bodies of water somewhere else on Mars. This is very important to understand how likely this, is, this process is, if this is something that has happened throughout the life of Mars or if it's really a, a, an episodic event that develops once in a while through exceptional circumstances. A lot, lots of Mars missions all the way back to Viking have kind of found different evidence for water in, in the past and maybe the present uh, on Mars. What, why is this, subgla this subglacial lake different from those? The difference is the fact that this is a permanent body of water. Uh, the um, uh, seasonal variation of temperature does not reach that deep. Uh, the water is there 
and uh, it's going to stay there throughout the ages. And for sure, uh, it has existed for a long period because we know that uh, the polar caps are at least several million years old. So um, it's the first time that we find some something, some place where water not only exists but is also stable. Unfortunately, uh, this water is very likely to be salty, which is not very hospitable for life. And uh, this is uh, this is uh, the reason why is that uh, the the polar the polar regions of Mars are very cold, and we expect uh, water to be below the freezing point. So uh, the only way to keep it liquid is that there is uh, if, is the presence of salts, dissolved salts that prevent freezing. So um, this is the the only place of Mars where you can expect to find. Uh, something that has existed uh, in the last million years, if it was there, and I'm talking, of course, the possibility of Martian life, um, because it's the only stable environment where it could survive. However, the presence of salts can be a, a, a big, a big issue for 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 the survival of life. And apart from the salinity, which other do you have any data that tells us? Any characteristic that you expect for this lake? We do not know very much about that lake. Uh, it's so far down, and unfortunately, the resolution of the instrument is very low. Uh, we cannot see details below a few kilometers in size. For example, we don't know if there are secondary ponds, if there are uh, streams connecting uh, or forming a network of subglacial waters, which would be very important for the survival of life and other and, and similar uh, topics. So uh, it's, it's unfortunately hard to tell much about water down there, but it would be very interesting to, to have experiments that are capable of telling us more. And what would you do to discover more? First of all, we keep observing with Marses. Unfortunately, uh, we... Um, we're able to observe these uh, strong subsurface reflectors, which is the hint that gave us the, uh, the lead to, to uh, identify those strong reflections to, uh, as water um, in other parts of the power caps. But these observations, unfortunately, are difficult to make. And the mission is approaching its end. So it's unlikely that we will ever observe the whole of the polar caps of Mars um, at, to the level of the detail and completeness that we are hoping. So unfortunately, much work remains to do and another uh, similar radar uh, would be required. Uh, perhaps there's one that is going to fly on the Chinese mission to Mars, which is uh, scheduled to, to be launched in 2020. So maybe we will get a second chance to, to look for more uh, lakes in the future. Do you, do you think that maybe way, way off in the future, when we have developed technologies and things like that, that these are the kind of places that we should be drilling down to, to check out and confirm these kind of observations? Or do you think we should stay away and um, just continue with remote detection? Um, in situ uh, validation will be unavoidable. And unfortunately, there's no way to do chemical analysis from orbit. and but the technical challenges are, are daunting. It's really difficult to imagine how to drill through one, point, one and a half kilometers of ice when it's something difficult to do even on Earth. 
So it will take some time before uh, the conditions will be such that we are able to, to go there and do it. But I think that I will spend a lot of time in the future trying to, to find a way to get there. Maybe you could tell us some things about what you uh, are hoping to see or expect to see with Rhyme in the future. Rhyme will have the opportunity to uh, provide direct evidence of the presence of a global ocean on Europa. And it seems like um, there is a, uh, let's say, a similar mission being prepared by NASA called uh, Europa Orbiter or Europa Clipper. I'm not sure. But uh, this uh, radar. Uh, the, and they also have a radar. However, uh, it seems like we will get there first and we will have the opportunity to be the first to detect a global ocean on an alien world. And this is, of course, another uh, potential habitat for life. Of enormous importance will be to, to see how thick is the crust of ice above it because it will determine the capability for us to access it and, and do again some, some chemical measure and, and analytical analysis <laughs> the measurements of, of, of the composition and the presence of, of uh, compounds indicative of life. So will that be a similar kind of measurement? So you'll look through the ice and see a strong radar reflector where you see the ocean and that'll give yes. you an idea of the thickness. The good news is that probably ice on Europa is, is purer and thus clearer than on Mars. The bad news is that it's probably thicker, much thicker, perhaps a few tens of kilometers, we hope not, <laughs> than, than on, on Mars. How did you end up doing the research you do today? It was by chance. I was beginning my PhD in, uh, in electronic engineering and one day my supervisor comes into the room and asks me, what's the roughness of Mars? which was a, an extremely puzzling question. But since he was uh, the person uh, designing the Mars's experiment, uh, he had an important parameter, uh, he needed that as an important parameter for the engineering design of the experiment uh, as a way to determine how sensitive the instrument will be to noise produced by random reflections from surface topography. And uh, of course nobody knew uh, because there was no global topographic data set for Mars uh, at the time, it was 97. So I spent many months going through the data of uh, radar measurements from the ground, limited uh, interpretation of the topography derived from Viking orbiters, and uh, other uh, incomplete data sets to make a guess. And uh, let's say that was something that gave me considerable <laughs> anxiety because uh, my supervisor insisted that that was very important for the design of the radar and I had no idea of what the real numbers I could give them. Mm, so eventually we came up with numbers that turned out to be uh, conservative enough and uh, right enough for the radar to work. So I, that was quite a relief, admittedly. <laughs> Would you have any particular pieces of advice for maybe students in similar positions to you at that point who maybe want to look towards getting involved in, in spacecraft instruments or, or spacecraft observing um, and uh, analyzing data from, from spacecraft? Planetary science is a multidisciplinary field. And so people can uh, start doing research in this field from many different paths. 
and uh, so chemists, biologists, geologists, uh, uh, physicists, of course, but also engineers, both in aerospace and electronics, um, they all contribute to the development of a space experiment, and they can equally also contribute to the analysis of the data. And in fact, the most difficult thing for us was to be able to translate the measurements that the engineer would uh, recognize and understand in parameters that the geologists could interpret. So maybe my advice could be that uh, it's important to keep an open mind and to try and be multidisciplinary and to know what the people around you are doing and try to understand that. That's really important because when you're analyzing data from a space experiment, you have to understand how that instrument works. Otherwise, you're liable to make to, to, to misunderstand what you're seeing and, and come to, 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 to the wrong conclusion. Is there anything in particular you would have done differently? Well, um, what is done is done. And just the thought of going back and having to redo it tires me. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm fine with what happened, bad or good. How does your research relate to understanding life in the universe? We, of course, hope to be able to detect what could be considered habitats. And that is the main contribution that a radar like Mars's can, can do, uh, can provide. This is, uh, of course, the starting point from the real, for the real analysis and the real in situ exploration. Of course, it would also be nice to, to be able to do more on the ground and experiments like Mars's uh, directly uh, mounted on a rover, like the ground-penetrated radar that will be on board the um, ExoMars 2020 uh, rover, uh, will also give an insight and a detail which is impossible from orbit. So there is still a lot of work for sensors like Mars's, and I think they will be uh, very important to determine where to dig, what to look for in the subsurface. So do you think there is or has ever been life on Mars? I'm completely agnostic about that because I have no way to, to tell. Um, talking with different experts, opinions uh, range widely. And so I'm sure that having an opinion myself would simply add to the confusion. Uh, the interesting thing of looking for life on Mars is exactly finding the answer to the question of how likely life is once there is there are the conditions. Mars was similar to the Earth in the distant past and so there were the conditions as far as we can tell for life to develop pretty much like it did on Earth but we don't know if the likelihood for this to happen is high or low. We are not able to tell uh, exactly how life developed from non-life. Nobody is able to, to put the ingredients in a test tube and, 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 and take out the, uh, even the simplest life form yet. So exploring Mars is exactly finding the answer to the question. And say sometime in the future, maybe, well, you, you, we develop some new technology that allows us to go and drill down to your lake, this, to your lake in, uh, in your lifetime, and we do find life there, what would your reaction be? I'll probably faint. <laughs> <laughs> and after? Now, well, of course, it would be uh, impossible to describe. It means like the opening of the gates of the universe to the human race. 
uh, all of a sudden we will be confronted with the evidence that the universe is populated, that the, the life is an essential part of the universe. And in fact, as life has influenced the evolution, the, even the geologic evolution of the Earth and the cl climatic evolution, and I'm not talking about only uh, the, the recent climate change, then it means that if this phenomenon is equally present in the, every corner of the universe, it's going to affect the whole of the universe in many incalculable, if unpredictable ways. <laughs> Okay, well, th thank you very much. That was great. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to The Tartan Tardigrade. If you'd like to find out more about the UK Centre for Astrobiology or astrobiology in general, you can visit our website at astrobiology.ac.uk. You'll also find links there to the other episodes of the podcast and a link where you can subscribe via the University of Edinburgh podcast service.